We call him Welcome to Weekly Heroics, a two true freaks guide to heroes on TV, and it is finally the finale of season two of the Preacher Cast, uh, doing episode 13, called The End of the Road, and joined by most of the regular crew, well, we got the hair metal hero right over there, Chris Tyler. Hey! Say hello. Uh, I'm Scott McGregor, the other other half of Binge Storm, of course. <laughs> Pat Delmore, who's been uh, joining us on this from Seattle, Washington, and, and has unfortunately is doing it from a cast tonight, probably, or some kind of some kind of unpleasant leg restraint. I feel for you, brother. Mm. So do a virtual <laughs> signature on on his 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 cast or whatever he's wearing. What, what happened exactly? You want to share with our, our, our podcast? Um, it's, it's, a, it's a dumb story. I was walking down, um, down a steep hill in the rain. I was on my way to see, uh, Aladdin, the, uh, the stage musical fell, uh, twisted my ankle, oh. hit my ribs real good, hit my oh. head real good. Oh. But it's like, I wanted to see that play. So I sat for about two hours trying to decide how badly I was hurt. Oh, oh God. Said, no, I need to go to the emergency room. Yeah, yeah especially ribs and shit. I'm sure yeah. everything wasn't yeah. fun at that point. Oh, not cool. But uh, So uh, send your uh, thoughts and prayers to weeklyheroics at yahoo.com. <laughs> We're sending our love down the well. Dow would like you to know they're sending you their thoughts and prayers. So General Mills. Many, many other companies, they've got you in their thoughts and prayers. Daltrex. All right. So I'm going to check our email here, actually. Uh, <laughs> see if we've gotten anything, because I haven't checked in a while. We didn't put anything out in a while. Uh, I, I do want to give some major, major kudos mm-hmm. to Scott McGregor for cranking out the Walking Dead uh, premiere episode with uh, the... Michael's absent guest star there. Oh, stop. That, was, that, that was just amazing how quickly you got that out and how well done it was. I, just, was uh, I, I just, I know my middle name is Murphy's Law, so I decided I should do this as quickly as possible before it somehow just evaporates from my, you know, my first, like, celebrity interview as a podcaster. I, I needed to know it wasn't just going to evaporate from my hard drive because that's how my luck usually goes. So, yeah, you know, that was expedited. Uh, which which further illustrates how badly I've been tending to my other podcasts, and I do apologize to everyone for that. But, uh, right. Every time I hear the phrase Murphy's Law now, all I can think of is, what if RoboCop was made in the 70s? There's only one law, Murphy's Law. <laughs> yeah. That's all I can think of. Yeah. <laughs> that, would, that would work. Uh, there were also an incredible band back in the day. Uh, so, no, no. What? If you ever do that second mindless drivel we did, I talked a lot in that about Kevin Spacey and uh, oh, oh boy, yeah. 
Uh oh. Yeah. Don't don't lie, Pat. You, you you broke the ankle running away from him out of his basement, right? <laughs> oh Hand my God. me the keys, you no, fucking he, cocksucker. Yeah, yeah. You were the he, cocksucker, weren't you, Kevin? He jumped out of the car as he put his hand on his leg. That's all. Uh, I'd say too soon, but this this podcast no. will come out for two weeks. So. Oh hell no. <laughs> No, no, that's a dog pile waiting to happen. Yep. Yeah. Some strange going-ons in Hollywood. Apparently, everybody anywhere in Hollywood is a, a fucking sexy scumbag. So, well, not sexy, but sexual scumbag. So that's what yeah, we've you, been learning in the news lately, kids. You don't think of Dustin Hoffman <coughs> as being a sexy scumbag? <laughs> no, no. I don't know, he's kind of hot as Tootsie. <laughs> <laughs> Imagine Bill Murray now. Just going. Oh Father, yeah, uh, definitely thought so. <laughs> yeah, I, I'd forgotten you said something. But yeah, that that is coming out eventually, Pat. And we'll we'll powwow together later to do uh, the rest of those American Gods. I promise. Another thing I'm way behind on. I have nothing but time till December. So true. Yeah, um, I, I will hit you up soon for that, though. Uh, had to, and of course, technical difficulties. I did a little Halloween thing for Mindless Drivel and couldn't get it out on Halloween. So, <laughs> put it out yesterday. It happens. Please give it a listen if you find it in the the, the archives. I literally worked like fourteen freaking hours on a twenty minute project, so won't be doing that again oh, wow. anytime soon. Uh, <laughs> but it was fun. I think y'all would enjoy it. So. But, finally, Finalia Preacher, so let's get to that, I suppose. Uh, oh, you're supposed to say hi, too. You're on this podcast, so. Yeah. So this is uh, Tina Patterson, our other uh, other um, guest today. And, uh, hi, everyone. She's been in the background laughing and listening a couple times. But you have to project, <laughs> project, Hello. talk closer. And uh, we're, we're trying to teach her these podcasting ropes. We, we had her read some it's stuff. It's from the diaphragm, honey. It's from the diaphragm. Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> well, me and Tina were actually in chorus together in high school. Nice. So she does know how to project the voice thing. Yeah. I, I got to tell you, Hero, when I hear you do that voice, I think of John Leguizamo as the clown. <laughs> either that, either that or, or, or Belker from Hill Street Blues on a, on a, a mag case of crack. You know? <laughs> So well, he would have been the perfect RoboCop for the seventies. He would have, yeah, yeah, no doubt. No Wolverine, even. That's um, well, that's my go-to voice anytime I go to a, a, a hot rock or a heavy metal show. When you, you're looking for the the forty and fifty and sixty year old women that are there to try to pick up young guys, to me, that's always what they sound yeah. like in my yeah. head. <laughs> Gonna find me a stud. To- mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, now you're one of Arch's sisters. The dangers of bands. Uh, Oh yeah, <laughs> but yeah. Tina's been. I, I inducted her into the the family of preacher uh, fans, and and she's still Sweet. with me. So she must be my kind of people. Yeah, I think so. Um, so, uh, so we just rewatched the uh, the finale together, and uh, hopefully she'll have some comments on it. <laughs> if I ever get started, holy shit, McGregor. All right. In 1994, teenage Jesse Custer greets a woman at the entrance to Angelville, where he works as a parking attendant. The woman asks for help tracking down her missing cat, and Jesse gives her kind of the regular, you know, spiel and assures her that Madame Langelle is a world-renowned spiritist, and she can help. She can see through walls and, and take your money and lock you in things and throw you in the water. Um, <laughs> it, 
and he greets many more Angelville tourists and pickpockets uh, one of their wallets. And actually, an undercover comes up. A cop tries to come up and trick his say uh, trick his way inside. He wants to see the tombs where the bloody stuff happens. We have no idea what that means yet. Um, but Jesse doesn't fall for it and, and smells the five O on him. And finally, we well, we we finally cast TC in Jody's arms and legs. Uh, yeah. In the show, <laughs> and so we get to meet TC uh, Arms anyway, and uh, they're Madame Lajelle's men, obviously, and they drive up to Jesse and give him his lunch. And Jesse gives him a wad of cash, yeah, but when pressed, Jesse also forks over the wallet that he he'd been stealing and holding back. Jody grabs his arm and crushes his hand and drives off, and Jesse finds a chicken pecking at his lunch and stomps it to death. But he realizes that was a bad idea, and he sits and contemplates for a minute, but then takes the chicken and sprints down the road uh, to Madame Largelle herself, and enters her office and his grandmother, which is also his grandmother, and asks her to revive the chicken. And she says, "Everybody has everything has a price, she said. And I, we still don't know if uh, Madame Lagelle has actually been cast, or we just have a stand-in actress for her voice, which I'm betting is, is the case. Yeah, um, but uh, whoever that was, whoever the voice they used, I thought was pretty spot on, and, and in the flashbacks earlier, um, so they might consider giving her the job. Uh, as of this recording, which is about many weeks after the show actually ended, um, it, it has been confirmed that there was a third season too. By the way, so Good because time. this 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 episode did not feel like a season finale at all. Really, it was no. kind of no, weird. Not really. It, it didn't quite settle with me right. Uh, where were we? So, yeah, chicken, everything is a price, and we roll into our opening credits. Back in the present, Jerry, uh, Jerry? Where the fuck Jerry come from? Jesse? It's <laughs> <laughs> gold, Jerry! Gold! <laughs> That's, that must be a, uh, a Walking Dead mode here. Uh, he reads note cards for his uh, Messiah speech. And he refuses to wear a little cape that uh, Harris Star wants him to wear, which is not actually a cape, sorry. It's an 11th century Flemish fencing cloak that Star has <laughs> brought for him. Uh, we're in a, nun, a room full of uh, children and a, and a nun, and she silences the young children and takes somebody's fart machine away from them, which is just Blasphemy. I know it. And uh, so one of the children asks if he's God, and the nun says, no, but close. And the star begins filming as Jesse reads his speech. And suddenly a band of armed Armenians storm the classroom. And Jesse tries to stop them with the word, but it's not it's kind of fizzling out on him. So he defeats them in hand to hand combat and also learns that their guns were filled with blanks. And as far as a lot of very cool action sequences in this show, this was one of the better fights with Jesse too. We just kinda really got to see him go full you know, even better than when he was punching the, you know, the, the Grails people a couple episodes ago. He just kicked yeah. the shit out of the Armenians. You know, basically using empty guns. The Palestinians to... already did that. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. But, but he, he did it with, with grace and style. With, yeah, he was smooth. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's almost it's it's almost a martial arts in itself, but it's like it's street fighting martial arts. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's good stuff, but it's it's always shot very well when they have a Jesse fight scene. Yeah, but you know, I, 
I'd always sit there and talked about um, John Woo movies, you know, with Chow Yun-Fat as gun-fu. Yeah. And I'm going to have to rethink that now after seeing Jesse really do gun-fu. Yeah, th- this was yeah, pretty pretty cool. Uh, it reminded me of a movie, I don't know if anyone else Equilibrium? Seen Equilibrium, yeah. yeah. Yes, uh, Equilibrium. Very similar fighting style without the, the shooty-shooty so much, just knocking people around with their own pistols. It was really cool. Christian yeah. Bale, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Good movie, actually. It's a movie. really good movie. Yeah. Don't watch any of the guys' other movies, though. They're crap. <laughs> uh, who is the director on that one? Kurt Wimmer. Yeah, no, I'm pretty sure I haven't. Actually, he did one with Brian Bosworth many years ago. It was one, t- <laughs> one tough bastard. Boss. Pretty good. Thought of him in years. Anyway, now, George, you, now you can't. Now you can't not think about the boss. No, I know. Yeah, old commercials are rushing back at me. Uh, Harris, uh, George Harrison's "My Sweet Lord" is playing during the whole <laughs> sequence too, which is, which is pretty awesome. And it was weird because I'd just seen. You know, Guardians, Guardians 2 around the same time as this, so which had a very different use for the same song, but it worked. You never think of that one as a fight song, but they, they choreographed to it well, somehow. <laughs> The children are all cheering, preacher, preacher, as officers lead the Armenians away at the end. So in in the hallway, uh, Star informs Jesse that the video is already trending, you know, and that Jesse has been booked on Jimmy Kimmel's talk show. He explains that, uh, you know, Star explains he stages the attack to get Jesse's name out quickly. And Jesse's like, I didn't sign up for this shit. And Star's like, spoken like a true messiah. (laughs) And one of the funnier lines on this one um, was, you know, Jesse's like, why why, why do, you, do you think the, the guns weren't loaded here? You know, we're, we're all rocking blanks. And Star says something like, it's like, who knows? Such an alien culture. Why do we, you know, how do we know they do what they do? <laughs> why do they do what they do? <laughs> it's just like, yeah, I don't think he's buying your shit there, Star. So the Grail spy camera is lying on the ground at Dennis's apartment. And Featherstone and Hoover are packing up the surveillance room and Featherstone's just gushing over that they've gotten to be Star's right-hand man, you know, right-hand men, and and got to bathe the streets in their blood, you know, in the blood of people who would oppose him and all this, and, and Hoover's just like, yeah, I'm happy about things, or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, can we get the fuck out of here, finally? Yeah. So Cassidy's folding some laundry and, and find blood, finds blood stains on one of Dennis's shirts. And he goes and checks out uh, Dennis's laptop to see what kind of porn his son's been surfing. And he, he finds a smut slash snuff site, I guess, for vampires, something that sounds really horrible. And uh, becomes mesmerized, and he, he shuts the, the laptop suddenly. So we're going to have to have a little dad and son talk later about <laughs> some things. And Cassie finds some of Tulip's lingerie in the laundry pile and uh, screams from the vampire website kind of echo in his head as he lingers on them a little too long. Uh, Tulip buys herself, uh, she goes to the, the, the corner store, buys herself multiple bl- bottles of sunblock, 
and she notices a woman shop lifting some items there. And at the cash register, she's basically king douche for, for the guy who's being the clerk. And she sees a news report about Jesse fighting, uh, fighting preacher saves, saves the day is the headline. And the cashier smirks at Tulip for buying so much sunblock. It's like, some of it's for a friend. And he's acting <laughs> like a dick. So finally, Tulip basically slams his face against the partition, steals some cash, and tries to give it to the shoplifting woman. But she runs away from her. And she's like, oh, yeah, I'm the bad guy. Yeah. And then we get Cassidy smoking some crack in his room. This scene surprised me, <laughs> uh, obviously, and then realized... Uh, something about it, but he's smoking some crack in his room. Tulip walks in and talks excitedly about Bimini, and she tells him that without Jesse around, uh, you know, whatever happens between them is okay, and she's like, you know we're going to have sex again, right? And he's like, what? <laughs> yeah, what? <laughs> hey, they, now. they kiss and start getting hot and heavy, and uh, he snaps and bites her neck and kills her, and we're all like, What? And then we realized it was a bad dream or daydream he was having. And in reality, Tulip comes in and finds him smoking crack. In the fantasy sequence, he's first, you know, tries to be like, no, no, it's not crack. And in the, in the reality sequence, he's just like, yep, smoking crack. You know, what are you going to do about it? And uh, she shrugs and goes to pack. <laughs> uh, to our, our our hell buddy road, our road movie buddies, uh, Eugene and Hitler, are escaping through a hatch, and moments later, someone follows them out of the hatch. Um, but they arrive at the River Styx, presumably. And Hitler mm-hmm. instructs Eugene to give his name to the ferryman and uh, explain that he doesn't belong in hell. And they say goodbye, and Hitler heads back to the prison. Eugene tells the ferryman that he doesn't belong in hell, and uh, he blows a horn, but not the one. <laughs> There's this big, ornate horn, you know, hanging like, <laughs> next to him. That looks like the obvious artifact, and uh, you know he blows something else, and you know Eugene's like, "Oh, I thought it would be that one." He's like, "Yeah, I don't even know what that one does." You know, <laughs> <laughs> I love the voice on 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 Trim. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that was that was hilarious. Just killed me. Yeah, he just sounds like a freaking you know Home Depot employee or something. <laughs> <laughs> just a regular guy and doing my job. Yeah, he's fair, every man, fairy man. Mm-hmm. Welcome to Amazon. I love you. <laughs> <laughs> a boat arrives and Superintendent Mannering, uh, you know, the boat that Eugene's supposed to get on, but Superintendent Mannering uh, suddenly appears and, and shoots the ferryman with an arrow. Yeah, they have a little argument about jurisdiction, and she's like, God's gone, jurisdiction, fuck jurisdiction, and shoots him with an arrow. And Hitler knocks her unconscious from behind, and Hitler urges Hitler, or Eugene urges Hitler to join him in the boat, but he's like, I shouldn't, I'm a bad person. He's like, no, you help me. And so Hitler gets in the boat with him. Mm. En route to the airport, Star asked Jesse why he didn't use Genesis against the Armenians. I suspect Star already knew. Uh, and Jesse says that he didn't need to. Um, and Star's like, you will. And Jesse checks his phone, but no messages. Tulip packs her bags and uh, checks the phone. No messages. She finds a spy camera on the ground, and she tells Cassidy about it and wonders if uh, they should. Cassidy wonders if they should tell Jesse, but Tulip's kind of like, "What what difference would it make? You know, we're going our way, and he's going his anyway." Cassidy agrees to give uh, his dog Banjo back to Dennis if he promises to be a good lad. And Dennis <laughs> nods, and you know, then he finds uh, Tulip's panties on the bed, and he's like, "Can you be a good lad, Papa?" 
And uh, <laughs> Cassidy's just, I don't think I can, and not with you around. And he pushes Dennis out onto the sunny terrace, burning him to death. So, <laughs> sorry, son. Yeah, there goes that dangling plot. Mm-hmm. But a great it's plot, man. I, and a silver spoon. Oh, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, well, I might have to have that one in the podcast. But um, yeah, man, and I just, I just got to give props again to to Joe Gilgan, and um, I still can't remember his name who played Dennis, but for rocking these parts and and this show becoming real. It's not just dark comedy anymore. There's some serious, real drama in it too, and they they kind of skate a line. I don't know how it's translating to people, but that's the thing that that's hilarious because you know even the the talking preacher ap- afterwards, um, yeah, Hardwick was sitting there comparing it to South Park. <laughs> oh no, see, I don't know. Uh, no, no, not not with the drama that's in there, not with the no. depth of some of the characters. You yeah. know. No, I, I disagree with that. I mean, I, there are certain ways. It's definitely got over-the-top South Parkish violence and, and humor, and, and they don't worry too much about offending too many people. You know, they're equal opportunity offenders in this, this show. That is true. That is also <laughs> true. <laughs> Which is just, just the essence of Garth Ennis anyway, uh, although he tends to lean towards offending religious things more than anything else, really. God's blessing for it. Uh, but yeah, no, but I've, I've been very impressed by the performances in this show. Uh, not always with the plot or the structure, but I mean, everyone's, no one's phoning it in. And that's always no. a good thing. And like some shows we talk about <laughs> occasionally. Maddie, looking at you. No. Uh, well, actually, according to the show, God's phoning it in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> He That's just raw. Some, some strange things. You know? So uh, we're back with Eugene and Hitler, and they're riding the uh, the standard escape van from hell, the distant vistas, you know, the travel yeah. agency van, and it drops them off on a sidewalk, and, and Eugene's kind of like, oh, you know, what do we do now? And Hitler just kind of looks at him and bolts, you know, just runs off. Yeah. And then he gets hit. <laughs> I, I realize what it might be what it was like a, a nod to it for uh, finally. And it was either Pulp Fiction or uh, No Country for Old Men where Chigura gets, uh, you know, hit by the car at the end there, but still escapes my movie brain. Anyway, that's where it went. But yeah, he gets hit by a car and, and, and stumbles off and Eugene's just like shit, realizing basically that he just unleashed <laughs> Hitler onto the world. Well done. <laughs> so... <laughs> Cassidy joins Tulip in the car. Tulip tells her that, uh, or yeah, Tulip tells him that she has to say goodbye to someone. And Cassidy sets Banjo free, uh, clearly not even trusting himself with the dog at this point. While she goes inside, she finds the door to Featherstone's apartment ajar and enters, and she notices a manual, uh, Soul Happy Go Go How to <laughs> Extraction Manual. Yeah, she finds a screwdriver stuck to the manual. Jenny greets her and uh, informs her that she's moving. Tulip hides the screwdriver behind her back, and Featherstone hides a gun behind her back. And Hoover suddenly comes out of the shower, blowing their cover, but he tries to keep it, but, you know, it's all done. And <laughs> Tulip's like, I never did tell you about Dallas, did I? And, you know, Jenny's like, you know, Featherstone's like, nope, and whips out the gun as uh, Tulip raises the screwdriver and shoots. 
Reporters bombard Jesse with questions as he boards a plane, and a baggage handler kneels to, to him, which makes him uneasy. And Star tells him he's a natural. Uh, he says when the rest of the world realizes that their only other option is someone who has to be reminded not to eat his own hemorrhoids, they'll get on board with it. <laughs> Hopefully, but I'm not sure current history would support that. Uh, on the plane... <laughs> Jesse gets a call from Cassidy. Uh, Jesse runs out of the plane and, and gets into a waiting car. And we don't know quite why yet, but we can figure it out. Star tells him to check on his friends and then come back for his soul, revealing that he has a little vial containing that little piece of Jesse's soul that he gave to the saint. On the phone, Star instructs Featherstone to cancel the ambulance. Jesse runs into Dennis's apartment and finds Cassidy kneeling over Tulip, who is bleeding from a gunshot wound. Duh. And, uh... Cassidy yells him to try the word, and he tries to command her to breathe, but it's not working. And Cassidy essentially is like, you need to let me turn her into a vampire. She's going to die. And they, they brawl quite significantly over it. <laughs> and uh, Cassidy, um, or Jesse's just like, let her die, you know, and, and they do, essentially. And our next scene is Jesse and Cassidy driving down a road with Tulip's dead body in the back seat, and, and they're entering Angelville, and Cassidy tells Jesse that he's hated him for a long time, and Jesse's just like, you hate me now, you know, just wait. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. You're about to, about to meet the fam. <laughs> <laughs> yep. And they're going to love you. So Jesse drives to Angelville, and it's... I, I took my synopsis from uh, the AMC website, and it says the revived chicken from 1994 runs across the road, but I don't really know the lifespan of chickens. So I that was one spry chicken. That's yeah. accurate or not. Yeah, so. <laughs> Super senior citizen. And our final scene of the season is uh, the man-dog costume is hanging in a motel room, and presumably God himself emerges from the bathroom and fills the, light with a, or fills the room with a blinding light. Uh, that's where we go. Now, did you notice all the accoutrements in God's hotel room? No, like what? Really like if, if you looked at the bed as the, as the, it was doing the slow pan across the room, of course, there was beer cans everywhere. Yeah. yeah. And then, of course, there's a lot of lubricants. Yeah. Well, and, and other such <laughs> things for... Uh, backdoor entry. Yeah, I'm assuming it's it was, a platter of toys was there. Somewhere. Yeah. Um, it's not looking good. Well, you know, like you said, that depends on your point of view in those matters, but yeah, God is apparently really the man-dog uh, thing, sexual animal that he is. Uh, and he's still listen, listening to that jazz. Yeah, uh, I guess he... <laughs> You know, he invented sex, so I guess he would try all kinds of it. Right. Pat, are you still with us back there? Yeah, I'm here. All right, cool. Well, I, I did all the talking. Forever, so I wanted to give him a chance to talk. <laughs> I've talked plenty, so, I mean, you guys go. What do you think of that as a finale? I mean, I said it, to me, it didn't feel like a finale. It was just, I don't know what it felt like, but. It definitely wasn't complete in any way, so I think they must have known that they were being picked up again, because that would have been a really whacked-out way to end it. <laughs> yeah, I was pretty sure they knew they, knew they were going to get picked up. But, you know, the thing is, there are other shows that have been on AMC that have ended on cliffhangers and never continued. Yeah. Feed, Feed the Beast is a good example. Really? 
because it had a nice big explosion with, you know, everybody in it. And you're like, okay, who survived? Because there's a little kid and you're, you know. But uh, no, they, and they didn't get picked up. They did not continue. And that was it. Wow. At least there, though, you can yep. just say, well, no one survived. But here, there are many some... of my favorite shows ended with cliffhangers like that. Um, the others that was on NBC in, um, oh, God, 99, 2000. Soap. With, uh, yeah. Soap ended on a cliffhanger. Jessica in front of the firing squad. <laughs> oh, I did not remember that. Quantum Leap was just evil. Alf was just evil. Um, Al, Alf did get a follow-up movie, though. Did it, oh, I never heard about that. Or he, yeah. Or yeah. It? It's, it's even, even Soap did it's... give a little bit of closure by a dream episode in Benson. <laughs> so. Oh, Soap, yeah, yeah. We just lost Benson recently. Yeah, so, I know. That, yeah. Robert Guillaume. Yep. I thought he'd been dead for ten years. <laughs> what, about you what was your 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 show that ended badly? The you know cliffhanger that never was resolved. Firefly. Oh wait. Well, yeah, Firefly. <laughs> it goes without saying. Yeah. Mantis. Had one of the the greatest last episodes of any show. Fugitive. Oh, go ahead, T. Me? Quantum yeah. Leap. I don't like the way Quantum Leap yeah. ended. Yeah, that was pretty pretty harsh. I wasn't like a hardcore Quantum Leap fan or anything. I watched a few, but I, I read about how they, they ended that. And it's just like, really? <laughs> now, it wasn't a cliffhanger, but Star Trek, the original series, Kirk becomes a woman. Oh, yeah. Well, Final episode. So, yeah. Now, we know what killed the series. <laughs> Who knows? Probably budget more than anything. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I'm clearly, obviously, looking forward to. I'm going to keep my eyes peeled to the trades and see if we see any casting for TC and Jody, which I'm sure we will eventually. But... They got to get the guy who was in um, Avatar to be uh, TC. Which are, oh the uh, oh with Stephen Lang yeah Stephen oh, Lang would be fucking sweet yeah it would, <laughs> it would be, be great. that's like perfect casting forget it I know he wanted to play Cable he'd be the perfect TC because well, he I mean he's just like an enlarged version of Dominic Cooper anyway you make Dominic Cooper you know gray haired they got the same hairline and and, and, and beard yeah. line yeah yeah it would be a good match well I mean they're not uh, I guess they're kind of genetically. You know, it's not his father or anything, but are they? Is, is he related to TC? I, saw, I thought they, you were saying he's a brother. Aren't the cousins? I think uh, TC is is um, is uh, Mr. Custer's brother, isn't it? Oh, so. uncle, oh, or it's the or it's the mother's brother. I can't remember, but right. yes, they're related. Yeah, either uncle or cousin or something to that effect. My nitpick in that flashback to '94 is that. Dominic Cooper is younger than me. I was 12 in 1994, and that kid is obviously older than 12. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think the AMC site said 14, but still, I guess that would work. Uh, <sighs> it was a good scene, though. Yeah. Um, just little, just yes. us little nuggets of, of the bigger stuff there at Angelville. I, I want more than the nuggets. I'm ready for the whole platter. Give me the whole platter. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, we had to get the, the grail stuff started, and, and they left plenty of threads for that one, too. Um, so. Yeah, I mean, 
did did Tulip getting shot? Did that happen in the in the comics? Yes. So you, so you guys have a pretty good idea of where where it's going next. Then yeah, and it's the my favorite part of the actual comic. So uh, if season three is that storyline, I will be incredibly happy. Yeah, but they I don't recall, but they, they didn't. He didn't take her to Angelville to get resurrected. And, no, but yeah. she still ends yeah. up with a bullet through her. <laughs> I, I gotta tell you though, uh, you know, the thing is like, I've watched uh, every episode of Walking Dead and Fear the Walking Dead. I've watched Constantine. I've watched plenty of horror and stuff over the years. But there really isn't much that's creeped me out than looking at Tulip's corpse in the back of the car. There was something mm. just yeah, man. So, so just disturbing in seeing that because I, I mean, even looking at it, I was like, is that even her or is that a mock up of her? Because it just, the way they did the make, if it was her, the way they did the makeup yeah. made her, made her look like a mannequin, you know, just really dead. That's and a pretty great death scene, too, and trauma yeah. scene, man. Ruth, Ruth Nega does everything better than everyone else, apparently. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, just even her facial expressions in that convenience store scene where she's just, you know, all out of fucks to give about that clerk and just the look she gives him. And, <laughs> oh, when uh, he does his whole thing with the card and then taps it. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it's like you, you see those guys here and there and they're like, do they really think they're impressing anyone? If any of you guys like that are out there listening to us and I know they're not, it doesn't impress yeah, anyone. You look stop. like an idiot. Stop. There's enough well, people making us men look bad these days after all. Anyway. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just stop. I mean, especially, I mean, he'd, he'd already lost with his his essential, why does a black woman need to buy sunscreen? Right, yeah. That was like, she Man. knew his bullshit right from that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. They still do get sunburned. Yeah, you know, it's it's skin. It's, it's, uh, yeah. No, well, yeah, to be honest, I was kind of surprised and and kind of overjoyed that they they went there because there really hasn't been all that much, you know, regarding racism and stuff. And they're in, you know, freaking New Orleans, where you know there are, there are people like that, obviously everywhere. Mm-hmm. You know, not just New Orleans. Sorry, New Orleans. But um, you know they really haven't addressed that. They've they've made some jokes like you see, I told you God was white and stuff like that. But you know they really haven't <laughs> gone to the uglier side of things like that. You know that often, and it was kind of interesting to see, and just a great opportunity for Ruth Nega to give the looks, man. Which would have been like she didn't have to smash his face. She just could have looked at him, and his face would have smashed against the partition. You know, just throwing yep. those. Yep. Bitch, please looks and you know. <laughs> yeah, you know the the when when he showed the one with the the SPF of one hundred. Um, every time I see anything where you get the sunblock rating, I always think back to that Sarah Connor scene. Yeah, anyone wearing anything less than SPS two million, you know, is gonna have, have a really a real bad, bad day. day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> yep. Oh man, so you got to throw that one in here now. So Tina, since you're pretty you're you're new to this uh, the podcasting thing, and just what was your experience overall of uh, why didn't you not you know run for the hills on your new boyfriend when he first showed you that twisted show? That's what I really want to know. Why? Yeah. I like. What, what hooked you about it? I mean, what hooks me about yeah. it? Oh, put me on the spot. Go ahead. That's what we're all about here. Yeah. <laughs> what hooks me about it? 
I don't know what hooked me about it. I just, I just liked it. It's addictive. You got to know it where is this addictive. crazy ass shit is going. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because it's jaw-dropping. I call it jaw-dropping TV because, you know, jaw-on-the-floor TV because that's just my general look through most of these shows, and, and that's why I love watching them. And just, like, if that's what I look for on TV. Like, the more you can surprise me, the more I'm going to enjoy your show. Yeah. Once I saw the first episode, I just had to know, yeah. you know, keep on watching what's going on next. What's well, you going see, on you know, an African priest explode within 30 seconds of an opening of a show. You know you're in for a interesting ride you know yeah uh, this and, show, the fact, and they killed tom cruise in that episode too. Yeah. Cruise, so. yeah. <laughs> he explodes very big well. ups yes no this show is the kopi luak of of tv shows and if you're not familiar with that that's the what is it six hundred dollars a pound coffee Oh, okay. That it's... basically the beans are picked from the feces of a, of a deer type animal. Oh God! Yeah. Yep. And yeah, that's that's how they're harvested. You know, the the, the 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 animals eat it, eat the beans off the off the vine. They crap them out. They harvest it from that and roast them. And that's you know the very very expensive coffee that the very very rich people you know frequent. The rich people are fucking but weird. It, it has to taste like shit, right? <laughs> it has. To. <laughs> Apparently, the enzymes and such that work that digest the beans have an effect on it that that make its flavor something other than you would ever expect. Uh, I would expect yeah. so, yeah. <laughs> Still going to pass on that one. I yeah. smell it that laugh every time after they make a sale. <laughs> 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 Go home and drink your overpriced shit. Yeah, that's exactly <laughs> right. It's like, no, it's got to be for like rich fecal filiacs that, that <laughs> you know, don't know how to practice their weird fetishes. Uh, and so this is the socially acceptable way, I guess. Uh, yeah. You just can't pull out a, a giant silver tureen of it like in, in, in Salo. So I get my I get my shit the old fashioned way with coffee beans. Oh I didn't <laughs> think of Salo. Oh my god. That's one movie I'm never showing you, by the way. Alright. Or you will run for the hills. Okay. Um I don't even know why I watched it because I knew how horrible it would be when I did. <laughs> I couldn't take it seriously. <laughs> it's so over the top. Yeah. Ugh. Yeah, I even watched a Serbian film for the same reason. That was a fucking mistake. Oh, that was my first appearance on on a podcast. Was covering that with Honeywell. <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, the, the, if that podcast would have probably scarred me more than the movie did. Uh, <laughs> all, all I know film is Sal, I'm never seeing him. You're never for, seeing him. For a moment there, Scott says a Serbian movie. Hero says that was my first appearance, and like. Hero in a Serbian movie? Yeah, well, <laughs> I like those Eastern European women, so. Yeah, <laughs> uh, well, not in that movie. <laughs> ah, you like a woman with hair under the arms. Uh, oh, that's yeah, not, you can that's hold on to it. Yeah, that's not a problem. <laughs> it's it's the French way. That's the I word fucking looking know. for. Anyway. <laughs> So let's go around. What's our overall thoughts on the uh, season? Everyone happy? I'm pretty happy. Yeah, I'm blown away. I, you know, I was blown away at how much I enjoyed it. Um, I, I, you know, it's like I, whenever you start going to like New Orleans or some some place like that, the, the first thing you just think of is 
And I hate to say that because New Orleans isn't really that way, except in some areas, dirt and grime. Mm-hmm. And and the show just got dirtier and grimier. Yeah. <laughs> and it just made it so much more fun for it, especially with when you have a character like Cassidy, you know, in there, and you just know he's at home in all this. Oh, yeah. I don't know about you know Jesse or Tulip. I think they're 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 you know they're such journeymen. It doesn't bother them, but no, I mean it. It, it really fit the show, and you know now, of course, going to uh, Jesse's home, mother's home. You know, I, I I think we're in for another set of uh, grime, but in a different different way altogether. Oh yeah, it's so they, something that's really going to make your skin crawl. It's oh, yeah. yeah, oh yeah, 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 in all the best ways because it's. It, it, I, I'm not going to spoil anything, but if it plays out even remotely close to what was on the page, it's one of it's. Oh man, it's it gets real, real, real bad, but. It's it's so worth it. And this show has been it's never ceased to surprise me some of the choices they made as far as doing some of the heavier drama. They could have just kind of phoned it in in a way, um, and gone with just the dark comedy and just stuck a little closer to you know just the plot of the books. Um, as we've said before on this podcast, I mean the whole Dennis subplot was to kind of keep them static in New Orleans for a while. Um, as opposed to like the the lot more travel in the books that they would have had by now, um, but yeah. I think it worked generally, and you can't go wrong with New Orleans as a as a backdrop, as Brian said. Well, it's it's more interesting than them going to New York like they do in the in the comics, and it's an it's an it's a fun little side story, but it is a nothing story when you stack it up against the the narrative through line of yeah of what this is. Um, so yeah, it's, it, I didn't certainly didn't mind the diversion because it's all that stuff with Dennis is all just more character building for Cassidy. Cause it's showing yeah. what he, what he would be if, if he wasn't who he is and who knows, maybe there's some of that in his background too. Oh yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. Well, uh, I, I don't know if you caught it, Scott, but you were talking about when he finds the stuff on the computer, it's an invitation from the Les Enfants du Sang and that's right oh. out of the comics. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's what? Catch that. The children of blood. <laughs> no. So if they get there, that'll be a uh, that'll be fun as well. Well, they've they've hinted at this um, this background structure of the vampire world that I've got to think they will explore. So you know, he's calling his brother or whatever. You know, supposedly about you know turning Dennis and stuff, and which his brother apparently made the right call on that one. But um, so yeah, I, I got to think if they keep going though definitely be exploring that because they've done a pretty masterful job of of even fleshing out some of the stuff from the books yeah it's it seems like nothing is off the table it's just how they want to connect a to b to c so it's i mean it's not it's not a wait wait we didn't we did not see a man have sex with meat okay no they did they did hold back a little bit a little but they've been steadily pushing the boundaries and they they said so on you know preacher uh, talking preacher afterwards that they, and I think they, I think it's good then that they saved the 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 Angelville stuff till they kind of knew how much they can get away with and yeah because it's keep going with it. <laughs> I, I did have one question about Jesse's family though. Mm-hmm. Do they live in the same neighborhood as Forrest Gump? 
<laughs> Probably. Because that was the, th- those were the same trees, weren't they? That Forrest was running through. <laughs> kind of looks like it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, it's too bad Sally Field quit acting because boy, she would be great as uh, oh, oh, yeah, grandmother. <laughs> yeah, she could do it. Yeah, that would be that would be different. It would certainly yeah, that, go uh, for a loop. Wow. The voice of her was a crazy bag lady from Friends, which none of you watch, but uh, she was also in Twister as uh, Helen Hunt's uh, aunt. Oh, okay. She'd yeah. probably be pretty good for it, man. They should probably talk to her. And just to just to to bring us all the way back around to zero, uh, your uh, director Kurt Wimmer is directing the remake of Twister. No way. wait 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 wait. Why wait. You, I thought they did that wait. a couple years ago and <laughs> wait. Uh, Excuse me, excuse me. He's not directing it. He's writing it. Well, I could write wait, it in wait, my a sleep remake tomorrow. Of Twister? Well, a yeah, remake of Twister. Just make another goddamn tornado Just make another movie. movie about a tornado. They did a couple years ago. It was, you know, like big special effects tornado movie and went nowhere apparently, but they're calling it Twister is going to help, huh? Okay. Uh, I think we just have one out called Geostorm. How did that one do? Uh, not well. That's why I was sitting on, it was sitting on the yeah. shelf for like two years. Yeah. yeah. Roland Emmerich or whichever one of the was, two there. It was. Uh, or it was it was Dean, it, I think that one was Dean Devlin. Yeah. They, they might as well get back together and start making. Yeah, they probably should. Because no we one get an actual. Watch. No, but get, it's funny. Funny because this guy Kurt Wimmer, he wrote the remake of Total Recall, <laughs> and and the remake of Point Break. Okay, the, the Total Recall and Thomas Crown wasn't horrible. I, I didn't mind that one. I didn't get to the point break yet because why? Yeah, um, no, there is I like no. the Thomas Crown Affair. Thomas Crown was, Affair wasn't bad. I, that, that, that I'll give you, but the Sphere adaptation was horrible. If you ever read the book Sphere and then you watch that movie, it's just like what of, the oh, hell? God, I was that, I had the I was so Sphere is my favorite Crichton book, and I was yeah. heartbroken. Oh, I kind of actually liked the movie, and I, I, that was one of my favorite Crichton books too. But even even Huey Lewis couldn't save that movie. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I forgot he was in that. Oh, <laughs> he was in it. Uh, Pat, what are your thoughts on the season as a whole? One of my big draws on anything on TV is when they do um, stuff with religion, where it's like you think you know the rules, but you don't have any idea what the rules are. Yeah, and. Be just just trying to guess what the rules are going to be for all the stuff. Yeah. How how is hell going to work? What it, what does it actually mean in this world to be pure evil? Um, all of that stuff is just super intriguing to me. Um, yeah. Hair star versus you know Hitler. Who is you know who is more you know satanic as far as their nature and right. stuff like that. That that intrigues me. I I, ho- I hope we come back to Hitler. I'm guessing he'll come back as like a footnote in a much later season that won't be immediately followed up on with him. But everything with Hair Star is just fascinating to me. Well, and I'm hoping we haven't seen the last of uh, Annie Hill in, uh, in Hell either. No, I know. Uh, yeah, I, I and the true use of that one. Okay, yeah. ex- explain yeah. something to me, though, all right? So you're, you're down in Hell, and you work there. Like Amy or or the the boat, uh, you know Sharon. Mm-hmm. How, I how do you, well, yeah? How do you get killed? I mean, how do you actually die? 
apparently down narrow, there. You know. <laughs> yeah, I, I know, but but you see my point here. Instead of uh, becoming one of the administration, you become an inmate. That's all. And, and I guess Hitler didn't read Byron, did he? I don't know. I would see even Hitler had a job there for a while. He was like head janitor, so he, he obviously got demoted somehow. But uh, <laughs> I, I do hope they address that because uh, I'm sure they will. And if and, and this is just my brain firing on all cylinders here. There is as our space um, does end up having a very different personality eventually down the line. So I think the escaping Hitler might be what prompts him into his new uh, role. That, that's what I was thinking too, Hero. Yeah, that uh, he's, he's they, they can't just leave Eugene's one of the most popular characters. They can't just leave him for a season. So we'll definitely be following him. And I think yeah, he'll decide to he needs to go hunt down Hitler. Uh, oh, you're will, killing me. He will feel responsible. That See, doesn't now, happen in the books. I mean, Hitler's nowhere in the books like he is in this. So. Yeah, we we don't really know what's going on, but yeah, our face does take a an arc that would would support that they're moving towards that. Yeah, yeah. I am so tempted to pick up the books now, just but I, I I'm I'm really gonna to uh, fight that urge. It's it's like The Walking Dead, man. It's it's they're twisting it up enough that it's keeping us comic readers on our, you know, on the edge of our seats too, is the, the whole tulip thing at the end of this was quite a shock. Um, yeah. But I saw exactly where it was going. I saw exactly where it was going. I mean, you know, it's like at first you sit there and you see Cassidy saying, let me, you know, let me bite her, let me bite her just a little bit, you know. Yeah. But, oh, uh, yeah. But, you know, it, it, basically from the beginning of the episode to right there, you knew, you knew where it was going to wind up. It's the only part of the episode that felt a little forced to me and a little stupid on Tulip's part. Um, just to go back and say goodbye to Jenny, who she, I figured, I, I assumed she had figured out was part of the grill. Well, yeah. Her, but she decided she still needed to go confront her or something, I suppose. And I don't know why she wasn't rocking something more than the screwdriver she found. Why, why does Tulip not have her own goddamn gun by now, for one, but. She made a bazooka in the first episode. So, yeah, I you know. think she would have lifted one on one off one of the the Grail people anyway uh, when they killed two dozen of them. But <laughs> well, let's just hope for season three they gave her the suitable raise. Yeah, yeah, I know, man, because uh, that would be a damn shame. Just to, they they can't. They literally cannot just leave Tulip. No, if they're going to continue. It's no, like, this no, this, <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I am surprised. It didn't go down the way we expected in the books. Still might. Who knows? But, uh, I yeah, I mean that's the other reason why I'm enjoying it. I mean, having read it, I I'm enjoying the the divergence as as an adaptation because it's not exactly the same thing. Yeah. And, I'm, and and you know, and there is a way to make take make each issue an episode. You know, seventy two of them, and do it all. But. Um, then I can just read the comic, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Same as The Walking Dead. Same as any adaptation. They know they gotta, they gotta serve the longtime book fans, but still make it make it fresh. So, well, I'm enjoying it. Yeah, I yeah. can't can't wait for it to come back, man. I'm so glad it is. Hopefully, uh, like you guys said, we are in a golden age of television. We it's, are. It's totally awesome. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. Did you, any uh, of you guys watch uh, The Young Pope? My nephew's been watching it. I, ha- I haven't gotten around to it it's, yet. It's, uh, it's cut of the same cloth as, uh, as that preacher is. Really? Hmm. It's, not de- it's not demented, but it's the same religious logic. Is that Ewan McGregor? No, it's Jude, Jude Law, Law, isn't it? Jude Law, okay, that's right, yeah. Same it's guy. It's a one-season arc, <laughs> and it's really, really good. Is this a BBC thing, Pat? Or? Um, no, it's on, it's on HBO. Oh, okay, The Young Pope, huh? Shit, man. Yeah, uh, Diane Stop Keaton making good TV. And, uh, James Cromwell. Oh, man. It's just kind of a, kind of a sinister guy who becomes Pope, and... He's a he's a he's a hardliner on a level that is almost he's not demented. It's not like Hair Star, yeah. But he's still people can't figure him out. Like he makes children cry, and <laughs> so the the anti Francis basically. Yeah. All right, now I need to watch this. <laughs> yeah, no, it's really you especially hero would uh, would really dig it. <laughs> yeah, even, I'm still a practicing Catholic, but I still like watching all the irreverent stuff. Yeah, makes it better. Yes, it does actually. Guilty pleasure. Yeah. He's not the Messiah. He's a naughty boy. Yeah, he's helped. He's <laughs> yeah, the opening... not to eat his own hemorrhoids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess we're gonna have to send Richard opening... Bright to take care of him, though. I hope we get some more. No, did anyone catch that reference? What'd you say? No. We'll have to send Richard Bright to take care. Actually, I'll say we'll have to send Al Neary to take care of him. But it wasn't Al, it wasn't Al Neary that killed uh, the Pope, though, was it? In Godfather Three. Oh uh, no, was it Al? I don't think. I never watched the third one. I haven't I seen it either. It's it's got some time. very watchable moments, and it's got some moments that'll just make you cringe. Yeah, I beg Paul Spatara to let me do it with him over on Jaws because I know someone's already claimed Godfather one and two, but I'm like, hey, I actually liked Godfather three. I'll come on, <laughs> do it with you if you want. <laughs> wasn't Jaws spoilers, but it wasn't bad. <laughs> I, I, Scott, I think you and I should actually do a show called "It's Definitely Not Jaws." <laughs> Uh, about about the worst movies that you love because they're so bad, like uh, Six String Samurai. Or, oh or, God, that movie's terrible. I know. You know, I no. I actually got pointed to that movie by, by Harry Knowles of Ain't It Cool. Yep. And I read yeah. his description. And I said, okay, this sounds like something I want to see. You know, it's like the the world has been destroyed through nuclear war. Las Vegas is now Lost Vegas. And it's the capital, and Elvis survived, and he is the king. And he's just died, and so every six-string samurai in the world is heading to Las Vegas to claim the crown. I think I've played this video game. Which is, which is a great idea, and it's just one of the worst. Poor, poor execution. Worst movies ever. Well, Hero, yeah. you'll, be, you'll be happy to hear that I, I made the new girlfriend here um, watch John dies at the end last night. <laughs> nice. She was sufficiently horrified by the confusion <laughs> of it all. And uh, I still haven't seen that. So no, I'm not, we're going to got to find Bubba Hotep for her soon. Oh yes, that's well. The Bubba Hotep is a classic. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> we told her the the premise of it last night. Me and that Hugwell. that movie is one of the few that'll make me tear up. <laughs> I'm dead serious. I the that movie is a, is just the chemistry between Ossie Davis and Bruce Campbell is yeah. so choice. Yeah. 
Has Aussie Davis still around? I think no. he just passed. Yeah, not too long ago. No, yeah. almost 10 years ago he died now. So really? that, he must have been the one that, that I thought, you know, when Robert Guillaume. Okay, that must have been okay. pretty much his last movie then. Holy shit. Oh, all right. What a way to go out. Yeah. <laughs> all right, gents and lady. Um, I suppose we could wrap this tonight. Um, we're Weekly Heroics, folks. Uh, season 3, Season 2, Preacher wrap-up. So thanks for listening, and keep watching Preacher when it comes back next year. We'll have other stuff for you soon. Oh, yeah. Brian Hughes. Uh, Darth Vader's Luke Skywalker's father. I can't stop myself! Darth muting, <laughs> muting. Uh, Chris Tyler, Pat Dunmore, Tina Patterson hey. joining us. And uh, Scott McGregor. And we'll be back next week, whenever next week gets here. Bye. Yeah. Bye. Bye.